0: Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night shear. Although last week we. No, last week we weren't good. Last week we were good. It was we did a shear. And um, I guess so far this year the only shear we missed was Matsim Kipper. So it's not. We're not all that bad yet. Record is not bad. And this year we start off with a bang. We start off with Shabbos Bereshis, the first parsha of the year. What a more beautiful way to start! Hope all had a very beautiful and inspiring sim in. and Shmini Um It's needless to say that, of course, that when all people get together in shul and people tend to imbibe, they say Chaim. They say They wish one another all beautiful, beautiful blessings. And may all those beautiful blessings come into fruition. And may everyone be blessed with a beautiful, happy, healthy, fruitful year. And all those that whatever requests that anyone made, the Almighty should see to comply with and complete. Here tonight, of course, like every other week, in the honor of memory of Nachman Yaakov. Uh, we're running into slight problems with background noise. I don't know if you'll hear the shear tonight. In case you don't hear as we download it. For all those people, I apologize. Um, we have a crowd here. We're in the middle of the... Uh, I had to stop in the middle of a mall to give the shear because uh, I was out. I didn't realized, realize the time. So as I sit in the middle of this mall... And very, very interesting people all around. That's what's going on. This week we begin with the Pasha Pasha Bereshis. a little halakhic view input. Of uh, those, the Baruch Hashem started after Shmini Aseris Musaf, changed to the same Talamatul Ivrach, not sorry, Mashur Rachmer Rageshem. However, the same of Ivrach will not change until December 4th or 5th. I have to look up exactly when. And in Israel and at Israel, of course, Zayin Cheshvin and At that time, we will discuss those halachas as well. But at the moment, a uh, Mashavurach Miragesha needs to be recited in the daily Shmestra three times a day. And people tend of course to be used to saying the same Talmud. the same talamatar and this is something that in Ashkenaz they don't have the problem, I don't believe they say the same Talmud. they only say Saint Mashiruhma Gesha anyway. Shabbos Bereshis, the Shabbos Mvorchem, um, Khedish Maracheshvin. Mayat Hashem, which is next week, and Mayat uh, Hashem, another next week. This year will be on Rish Khedish, so we'll be able to discuss. The month of Marrakeshwan, the Halakh is pertaining to the month of Marrakeshwan, etcetera. Um let me just to clarify that one. Not to say the wrong thing. Well I know it's definitely next week is a The Only question is what days of the week it is is getting out of hand today. We can't get the people to go away. And as the sheer progresses and other people walk by here, they tend to make different sounds and noises and unavoidable tonight, as we said, not exactly in the proper location. Um... Regardless, the Shabbos is Shabbos Baleishis. Shabbos Baleishis is the first Parsha of the year. And as the first Parsha of the year, of course, it means we are restarting the Teda. Restarting, it's it's a very, very... technical term to the, say that we're restarting has to mean that we finished correct next Wednesday is Rashkedish Alaf Aleph Chedron, it's two days of Chedish so next, next Wednesday we'll talk about Rashkedish Chedish um, when we say restarting obviously you're talking about you finish something to restart it you turn something off, you restart it so to say you're restarting Theta it's a little different. So we need to therefore, the wording of it actually for what we begin on this Shabbos although although we merited already on Simcha's Torah the day that we complete the Torah the day that we finish with Vizayz Habracha and the last words of Vizayz Habracha and we announce Chazak, Chazak, and Nis of Uzayz HaBracha, of Chumash Dvarim, it goes on to continue. We immediately open another Torah, or we roll, if we only have one Torah, to the beginning of the Torah, to Parshas Bereshas, and we immediately proceed to read from there telling us of course that Tera is never ending Tera has no end to it Tera is a continuous continuous life study as is the life cycle of the person so when we finish the Zayt HaBrakha we immediately tell you no, Krasishon, we did not finish. We are just about to begin once again. I'd like to actually give on a, on a happy note in tov in the families that we have. I've have one a niece that had a boy on Shminatzeras and Fradla had a girl. Just now, uh, and
1: you
0: telling us? Oh. Baruch Hashem, always on a happier note. The beginning again of Chumash Bereshis. We learned the first pasuk Bereshis, Bara a haShemayim v'Sharitz. We know the famous Gemara that tells us of the story of the Tanayim that the Roman Emperor enslaved, put a, locked up in a room, in five different rooms actually, and asked them to translate the Teda in Greek, But he put them in five different rooms so they should translate it to see if they would actually everyone have the same translation. Immediately realizing the peril and the dangers they sought to it different words that needed to be did, slightly, slightly rearranged and there are five different five different places ultimately each one of them did the exact same thing without any text or WhatsApp or Instagram or anything between them. They didn't email each other, they just plain made those changes. The first one was in the first Basic. Berecious Boro Elikim, in the beginning God created, it's a Shema'in Viasaret. Now, the translation, as we just said, in the beginning God created. And they did not want the translation to come across as if the creator was called in the beginning, as if there was a creator called Bereshus, which should thereby be saying Bereshis Bara Kim, that Bereshis Shalom created God and a and heaven and earth. So to avoid that, I'm in the middle of a sheer, I can't talk. To avoid that, they each changed the wording, and they said, Elekim bara bereishis. The Almighty created in the beginning as a Shemayim ve'Sharitz. Thereby, and this is one of the things that they all did simultaneously, although they did not discuss this prior. The first letter of the alibase is Aleph. But yet the Tat starts off Beracious with the letter base. The second letter. But everything in the Teda is precise. And by starting with the second letter instead of the first letter, we need to understand what is done here different. Firstly, we are tell- being told that what we are about to hear and learn is part two. However, Taylor needs to have a preface of part one. What's Torah part one? What could precede the study of the actual words of the Torah? We know that Prophet Yermiyahu lamented the Jews being, the Jewish people being in exile, as they were exiled from the Holy Land of Israel. And he quotes why is the land ruin, land ruined, withered like a wilderness with no one passing through? And God says, for because they have forsaken my Torah. The Gemara for those keeping score at home, Baba Matsiya, pay hey Discusses this pasuk, and he says, "The Gemara tells us that ironically, in the time of Yirmiyahu, the Yidden studied Torah. Nevertheless, the Talmud says that they Chassid Shalom abandoned Torah." And it was the abandonment of Tera that Irmio refers to, when he says that because of this abandonment they were exiled. What, therefore? Is Yermio referring to when he says the abandonment of the Torah? But it tells us the abandonment of which the Jews unfortunately abandoned. They abandoned saying the blessing before the study of Torah. Prior to anything that we do in life, we need to make a bracha as I just did on my drink. Prior to the study of Taylor, a bracha needs to be recited. This bracha of Banu. And the neglect of this bracha, the fact that the Jews did not say this bracha,
1: <laughs>
0: indicated that their study of Tata was because they liked it intellectually. They connected and appreciated the wisdom which Tata amasses. But the actual holiness of Tata they did not focus on. <laughs> They did not see the divine origin of the Torah. This is a Bach What do we learn from this? What do we learn from this Gemara? That studying, understanding Thayda's teachings is only one aspect of the actual Thayda relationship. But before we approach the Thayda, with our tools of intellect, as we call them, need to establish, we need to affirm our other aspect of the relationship to the Tehra, the true primary objective of Taylor study, and that is to attach ourselves to the Avishta. And therefore, the Gemara says, first one needs to say the bracha on the teta. Shevachar banu mikol And therefore, we are given the, the blessing, and we acknowledge to God, who is the giver, Shenasan lano, as a has given us this teta. Once we commit ourselves to unifying ourselves, to the giver of the Tata, then we start part two, Beis Reishas. And that's why the Tata starts Beis. This is part two. Now that you've acknowledged, now that you've accepted, now that you've reached out to and said who Tera is all about, what Tera is all about. The first Rashi in the Torah. Zalmud the Shikr, whose most profound statement I've quoted many times I used to think we could drown our sorrows, I found out sorrows float. That huh. would just drink himself into oblivion. Zalman the Shika said, "What's the first Rashi? Lehayat <laughs> Zarech. We didn't need it. Now, obviously, this is only part of the quote of the first words of Rashi. <laughs> but yes, those those are almost the first words. Rashi begins his commentary Bereishis Bara LeKimes Hashemayim V'Soretz on chapter one and verse one of the Tera." The first Rashi Rashi explains to our simpleton who's studying Tera. Oh, Rabbi Yitzchok says Rashi. <coughs> Lehayetzarech, the Tera does not need lahaskil to begin as a teda, The entire Tera, Ella from where only meachidish hazelachem reish chadashim. The first mitzvah in the Teda, which is recited, which is the mitzvah of Rish Chidosh. That's where the Teda should actually start. Teda is, as we just said, not only intellect and definitely not a story, but Tata is a life lesson. A life lesson in how we need to live our life, how we need to exist, how we need to continue our lives on a constant daily basis. In that case, Rashi says, Rab Yitzchak said that Tayra does not need to begin from there, the Tayra only needs to begin from Achaydish Hazef, from the midst of Rish chedesh. Why does it start Bereshus? Matam tam posach b Why asks Rab Yitzchak does it start from Bereshus? And Rashi answers, Mishim Keach, Maisav Higid Laameh. For the kayak mice, mice of his work to tell to the future generations of the world of the other nations that this is the inheritance of the Jews. First of all, There's a tremendously powerful lesson in this Rashi. And it's just an incredible thing and I saw it today and I only remind myself about it. as we said the champion of the child of the simple child the five year old that is starting to learn Tera gives the Pshutei Shalmikra the simple explanation of the Pasuk in that case Ammar Rabi Yitzchak is superfluous if Rashi wants to ask a question as to why the Torah begins with veracious and not hachidosh as Elohim. Rashi should have said, should have said straight, he should write, What's the Amr of Yitzchak all about? This, my dear friends, is something that I... I, I saw it today again, and the first time I remind myself. Rashi's name was Reb Shlema Yitzchaki. Mm-hmm. That was the acronym for the name Rashi. Reish is Reb Yud Yitzchaki. Obviously, they did not carry family names in the days of Rashi. However, he was the son of Yitzchak. Now, according to an opinion, Rashi's father was not a big Talmud Chacham. He was the first person, obviously, to learn Chumash with Rashi, because Rashi was a little boy when he learned Chumash with him.
1: Hmm.
0: But, according to some opinion, he was not a big Talmud Chacham. Rashi here is going to go and sit down, <laughs> and now it reminds me yesterday... We had a very, very brilliant guy here who never... I'm not sure what his issues is with his father. But he tells me that his father walks around saying that he's jealous of his son. And I don't know what that's supposed to be and he, he wished me to be jealous of my son. Um, I'm not quite sure what it means. how I should be so jealous of my own children. Rashi, in turn, was a tremendous holy soul. So holy was Rashi, that according to opinions, he wrote, he only lived to about, th- I think, believe, 37 years old. Yeah. And he wrote the entire Pirish on Teda and on Novi, Levi, mean, Ksuvim, Shas. I mean, you know. <laughs> he didn't have a typewriter or even a computer for that matter. According to most opinions, Maybe it's not such a phenomenon to do a, to write this whole thing. He wrote it three times. That's why sometimes you find different wording in Rashi. Rashi was a very, very holy soul. And a tremendous, tremendous learned person. Tom Trochem. I ask you, What books do we have from Rashi's father? None. So if Rashi's father was not a very learned person, what did it look like? That the son is such a tremendous holy soul and the father is... So according to opinion one that Rashi turned to his father and said, I'm going to write an explanation on Tera. Ask me a question. And I will quote you in my commentary. And therefore Rabbi Yitzhak said, Lehi What did we need all this for? And to this Rashi gives the answer that we needed to show the nations later the inheritance of the Jewish nation. Rashi's opening words, Omer of Yitzchak, is a lesson in its own. A lesson more powerful than you ever give anyone. Showing the COVID, the utmost respect of this holy reverent soul of Rashi to his father who was not necessarily a very learned person. Even if his father were a learned person. Even if his father were a tremendous Talmud Chokham. But Rashi felt what he was about to embark upon knowing that he was going to write everything with Ruach HaKedosh with Divine Spirit he knew that he was going to embark upon something greater than any work of his father. And therefore felt to, he needed to accord a proper respect to his father. And opens the first quote on the Pirish of Teda, Amr quoting his father's holy question. And thereby teaching the mechamish the mikra, teaching this child, not only explanations of actual Torah, not only teaching us why we need to begin the Torah berachas, but uh, <coughs> to teach us of our rich, rich inheritance, but to teach us the lesson of kibud av Even I tells the
1: Even
0: I need to honor and respect my father to the ultimate moment. And this is the respect, he accords his father. Ultimately, um, there's a little bit, of a, hole, a hole in the uh, theory, because if you're keeping score at home, the Yomar Ayin He'em Be'ez, in Sanhedrin, in, sorry, in Avedi Zara, Ayin Rashi quotes his father, and he writes in a tremendous title, for his father. So, that actual opinion of him not being a learned person, not necessarily so, but ultimately we, say, we do know that Rashi's father did not write any great commentaries. <coughs> 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 when we learn the Postic Padesh is better like him, though, there's no question. So why begin? Why open a can of worms here to ask this question? <laughs> Ultimately, <clears throat> this is a question. Anyone studying Tata, child or adult? Studying and analyzing Teda should have. Why is the Teda beginning with this story? Let's learn Teda. And the truth is to be told that we start off the child and we read begin in, to, to, the, the beginning of reading, we teach him Vayikra. We teach him the first word of Vayikra, first psukhna of Vayikra, to show him. The karbanas, the sacrifices, and true mitzvahs that took place. The child has been chamish the mikra; he's five years old. It's two years now. He's wearing tshitzis, yarmulke, making brachas, going to shul here in Kriyat <coughs> So we're going to learn the Teira now that you're practicing, he's expecting to hear about mitzvahs. What does he find? So automatically he asks, I know that I do mitzvahs, I know that I make brachas, Asherki deshano be mitzweysav itzivano, mitzweysav islashin tafsav attaching ourselves, connecting ourselves to God, says the Zayar. What does this story connect with what God's expectations of me, me are? Or any story. From Bereshus on, that starts the Chumash Bereshus, and Avinu. and Yitzchok, and Ya'kev, or this week's Chitas, even the two brothers, Kayan and Hevel. What are you teaching me with this? So, Rashi, the first thing, has to explain to the child that this seeming story is not a story. It's a life lesson to each and every one of us. A life message to the Jewish nation. When he understands that, only then can he understand and begin the interpretations of the words of Terah. And the truth is that Rashi should only say, We are not starting from Rishkhidish, Makhidish Zalachem because of the lesson in the Taylor. Rashi doesn't have to. Rashi's art in his commentary is that he minimizes, he literally says a minimal word, amount of words. So why now is he elaborating? Now he's elaborating to tell us that this is the actual approach and the child is going to begin learning this data and therefore the child needs to know that you need to ask. So he's showing the actual child another life lesson how to ask. We go into the creation of the world. The Almighty took the man and he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to guard it. Now, we obviously don't depict the Garden of Eden as somewhere that's full of fields and trees and fruit trees that need to be fed, taken care of. But there's an, a verse in of Adam la'amal Yivolaid: Man is born for toil. So therefore the trader tells us in the very beginning of the existence of man God placed him in the Garden of Eden and gave him a task. Work. Guard it. What's so essential to man's existence that he does toil? Why is happiness contingent on hard work why can't we attain it without any effort God is the ultimate source of kindness why can't he see to it to just pour it out for us why do we need to go through pain and difficulty, toil dealing with our boss, dealing with our commissions dealing with our Salary. Salaries. Dealing with our job and having to satisfy the boss again and again. And no matter what you do, they're never happy. The fact is that the nature of the man is to work with his hands. and I've told the story many times of the man with the pitchfork in the field that was working and ra- putting hay onto the back of a wagon, sweating, the sun beating down on him, breathing heavily, and when the pirates passed by and saw the motions the man was making, he was very intrigued, and he liked the way the motions were so automatic, almost robotic. So he offered the man a week's salary for every day that he comes to the palace and goes through those motions. And the man came into the palace and had two guards standing next to him with fans, fanning him, not to exert him. And he began going through the motions without lifting a single, single straw of hay, but just taking his pitchfork and pushing it down, picking it up, pushing it on to the wagon, imaginary wagon. And he did this for a full day, the regular day's labor, without breaking a sweat. He had the people fanning him, giving him water, serving him, and the king was sitting there in, in, in rapture watching this. He, it just—it's so exciting for him. And at the end of the day, the king gave him a full week's salary for his day's work, and said, "Please, I'll see you tomorrow morning as well." And he said, "No, you won't." <laughs> He says, Will you be tomorrow morning? Now you have the money, you're not gonna, you're gonna go drink? And you're not gonna go to work again? He says, Of course not, I'm going back to the field tomorrow.
1: He
0: sure. says, But why? I've paid you for the week. Why would you go back tomorrow? I'll pay you tomorrow for another week yet. And he says, Your Honor, Your Majesty. I see nothing from it. I can't just work fruitlessly. I need something to happen for my work. And this is the nature of the human being. They like to enjoy the work of their own hands. They don't like things given to them always. We're keeping score at home. The Yimara Mitzia, Da'af Lamed Ches Aleph, 38 side 1. The writes, A man prefers a kav, it's a measurement, a kav, of his own to nine calves of his neighbors, he'd rather have one calf that he worked for and he made, and he had, he grew, and he he cut down or whatever he did, he reaped it rather than nine calves of his neighbors. But you know something, the Almighty created man when he created man, he created him with his nature. And by creating him with his nature, he made the man feel this way. Why couldn't God create the man to be happy and satisfied with whatever he gets? Uh
1: Uh-oh.
0: oh from Da. But the fact is that the fact that the ABC gave us that the Almighty gave us the feeling to want to work for what we earn is actually a tremendous blessing, a tremendous great gift to mankind. person not only tries to achieve his potential but he tries to even reach and experience the realm of the creator person is created is not in a way that his needs are not provided for their, on their own, to give the opportunity to simply emulate the Creator. Because without the Evistha, can't exist. And because the person knows how to create things, knows how to make things, knows how to emulate the actual creator, he feels uncomfortable being a taker. He wants to be a creator. He wants to be a beneficiary of what he creates, his labor. The modern Talmud Yerushalmi, Arla Perek Aleph, Halachul Gimel, you're keeping score at home, one who eats from the food of another is ashamed to look at his benefactor's face for man naturally senses that his purpose and wholeness is to be like God to make a difference through his own efforts and not to be dependent on others and this is the fact of life and this is how it ultimately works out Tara tells us that the Almighty created the man and then had each creation passed by him, and he gave a name for each of the creations. <laughs> to all the animals, Ulay Fahamim, and all the birds. And all the animals of the fields. <laughs> um, let's check creation out. And there were fish created as well. Why did the fish not get named? There are two opinions. One is they didn't get names. So the fact that you have a salmon on your table... You have a sable. You have a carp. I don't want to mention that other big fat fish. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Are names that came other ways. That's one opinion. A second opinion. He did give names. Pusk doesn't tell us. According to the Ramban, when it comes to calling the names, how did other Marishan manage to give them names? He recognized the nature of the animal and gave them a name according to their nature. Sus. Because he sus with some because he is happy. That's a children's tape. Um Etc. And the names of the animals are given according to their natures. According to this we can try to delve into this a little bit. In the names that were called. That they were called in two fashions. One is the names that are referenced to the person, how they connect to the person. Through these names he recognizes and he knows what they were why they were called this way. And therefore he can use them for that reasoning. And secondly, it was called names because the creation themselves Before, a creation has a special name. It it's not recognized. We don't see its metzius. By calling it its name, it becomes revealed. And this is, in essence, the difference of opinion, whether or not the, the fish were given names. According to the one that says they did not give names, it's in order that the name is only so that the person could use it later. And this is not shaykh to, do, to fish. Chaskani it says, "Dogim heim They stay in the water. If they came out in yitzim, mason, they die. And if I don't have actually a simple purpose for it. So since the names were not really necessary to be used for, it was not necessary for the magician to give a name. But according to the opinion, they did have names. That was because the actual creature itself needed a name to reveal its actual nature. So therefore it would be necessary, since the creature needs to be revealed, it would be necessary to have a name. And he completed on the seventh day the work that he had done. He worked six days, he created everything that we know of. What did he finish on the seventh? Zodiac What was the world actually missing? Menucha. Rest. Bo Shabbos Bo Shabbos comes and Menucha comes. This is a very pertinent and important lesson to our service to God. Six days a week, we know, makes reference to Shis al Feshnin Have the six thousand years of the world. The world is 6,000 years. So therefore the time that we are now living, that we are existing in, is the end of the 6,000. The end of the 6,000 years. So this is making reference to the end of the 6th. Days of creation. So, according to this we could say, the words of Rashi, that only in those last moments, cults of enigma only at that point will the actual work be completed. And until that time, there's something lacking. And a very important lesson. A person could perhaps think that after their great work that they've done, all the generations prior to us, all the great righteous people, the great people, the holy souls, that were so much greater and holier than us, the forefathers, Meshach Rabbeinu, the prophets, the Tanayim, the until this very last generation, the Rabbeinu that we have, they've done it all. They've finished and completed everything needed to be done. And Luba Kakula, the majority is like the most, like everything. And therefore, most of this workload has been taken care of in this world. So, what is our small, insignificant contribution worth? It's ikbus of the Mashiach in these last moments, these footsteps, these heels of Mashiach approach. What value does it actually have? What value is it of any kind? This is what we learn from the words of Rashi. Pachim and in these small little bottles, these small little f- flasks, is dependent here on the shleimus, on the completion of the works that are done in all the generations. Everything that was done up until now, until we don't finish those last pachim ketanim, are not complete. And it's ha'ilam chasar, it's missing, it's lacking. This little last mitzvah that's being done in our generation, All the Avedas of Shesha and Shis al Feshnin, comes to fruition into completion only when Vayyachulu, <coughs> when Kulsov and Igmana Malacha, in the time of Kule Shabbos, <coughs> when will the Kule Shabbos and <coughs> Manucha in the time of Mashiach, Tzitkenu. And therefore it's our obligation, it's our... It, it's, it's incumbent upon us to see to it that we do just that. Rabbi Shimon, Aymer, Rabbi Shimon says, says, The person, the man of flesh and blood that does not know his time and his moments." Sadaklah Michil A Khadesh has to add from Khil to Khadesh, from mundane to holy. But the Almighty who knows exactly when things begin and finish in the like a split hair can do what needs to be done. So why did the Almighty do this in a fashion that it looks like He's not done? To teach us in essence, although He knows actually when the time of everything is, and therefore it's not a malacha that's a Sura Shabbos that's prohibited on Shabbos. But he could have done this before. Why did this have to happen before Shabbos? From here we learn another very, very special lesson. Chazal tells le'barak arish baruchu echad If you're keeping track at home, is the score at home. The gemara b'sech Shabbos Ayn zayin amit be'ez. 77 side 2. Nothing in the world the Almighty created for naught each and everything, each and every moment HaKadosh Baruch, recre- HaKadosh Baruch creates the smallest, minutest fact and creation is done for a reason and not just a reason, a small reason but a full reason everything has its place in the creation and the completion of the world And therefore, the person that learns twenty-three hours and fifty-nine minutes a day, Theta he should know he has that one empty minute that he didn't learn. He cannot be mavatl, He cannot waste that one minute. For that one minute also has a completion in the in the mass. The, the full picture that the Almighty has created that one minute that he deprives can cause that the creation of the world is not complete or is for nothing and therefore the Almighty saved this moment, the smallest of moment that smallest of a minute before Shabbos to finish his job which teaches us the importance and the relevance and the reverence of every single second. If a person has an opportunity to do something, to complete something, they must do so, and even every last minute of doing it holds a very, very important message. May we merit to complete our missions and the Almighty find peace in the way we complete our missions and the Almighty see that the generation is worthy of having completed their missions and therefore finds the ultimate bracha of bringing us all back to Yerushalayim, Yerah on this very, very Shabbos on this beautiful Shabbos Bereshers and we have in Yerushalayim, in our prayers, Shabbat, inshallah, to all.